Want more of the Josh Scanlon podcast? Please. Please. Here you go. The Josh Scanlon podcast starts right now. Welcome to Josh Scanlon Podcast, my friends. It is October 16th, 2018. Happy fall to you all today. Not going to do an interview today. We're simply going to read an article that I want to talk about, about the idea that healthcare costs result in half of the bankruptcies, if not more, out there in the United States. Uh, That has taken over as a fallacy in the vernacular today, it's actually cliched anymore to say, well, 50% of bankruptcies are caused, caused by healthcare. It's simply factually incorrect. It's not true. It's a bullface lie. And so let's dive right into this. And this is going to be from a article written a few years back in SSRN, the Social Science Research Network, by a law professor named Gail Harriet. And she talks about, and I'll link to the show notes in here. It's a wonderful read. It's only 18 pages, uh, and you should absolutely read it. Uh, but she says, misdiagnosis, a comment on illness and injury as contributors to bankruptcy and the media publicity surrounding it. So the article that created this fallacy of over half of bankruptcies are attributed to healthcare costs, the article was called Illness and Injury. All right. So Gail is talking about this article specifically. Uh, and from the Texas Review of Law and Politics. And again, you can find it for free on the SSRN website. An er- introduction. In early 2005, a barrage of media publicity accompanied Health Affairs publication of illness and injury as contributors to bankruptcy. Just a few weeks before the U.S. Senate was scheduled to take up bankruptcy reform legislation. Headlines like, medical bills blamed in half of bankruptcies. And, medical bills caused about half of bankruptcies, study finds ran in newspapers all over the country. For a while, the publicity made bankruptcy policy seem almost glamorous. The problem with the headlines, though, is that they were false. The study made no finding whatsoever that medical bills were involved in half of the ball bankruptcies, nor did it find that illness or injury, at least in those terms are ordinarily used, were major, even minor contributors to half of all bankruptcies. Stripped of his rhetorical excess, the study's actual findings were far more modest to the point that the media might not have been interested at all if they understood it better. <sighs> and it, uh... Ordinarily, of course, it would be a mistake to hold a study's authors responsible for errors made in the media about its meaning. Such misunderstandings are common even when authors exercise abundant caution. But in this case, the authors should have been more careful. Now, let me just stop real quick. You may or may not remember Ben Rhodes, who's one of the headwigs with the Obama administration. And during the whole Iranian deal, nuclear deal that Obama, John Kerry, was so hip to uh, get uh, the United States to sign on for, Ben Rhodes said explicitly that the media was comprised of 27-year-old basically know-nothings. And he said we could feed them a bunch of junk and they're just going to sit there in awe and regurgitate what we tell them. And there are a couple of things for that because they're all liberal-leaning media anyway. Uh, but B, this is what's called an appeal to authority. And so if it's, it's written from above by the government or by Harvard, oh, my goodness, Harvard scientists, they must know everything. Uh, who am I as a journalist, a 27-year-old journalist, to, to challenge it? And, and that's what Ben Rose was talking about. He said, look, they're going to regurgitate everything we say. It doesn't matter if it's truthful or not. And I you know, credit to Ben Rose for saying that. Uh, I mean, because that, that was pretty – it was true. It's absolutely true. The idea that the media is not responsible for misinformation is silly. They peddle it. They absolutely do to pursue their own 
uh, narratives for sure and their own political biases. There's, there's no getting around that anymore. I mean, the idea of Walter Cronkite even uh, being a, a bipartisan guy just searching for the truth is silly. And Walter Cronkite uh, talked about the Tet Offensive as it was a big blunder for the United States when actually it was a huge win and we could have uh, knocked the NBA out right then if we just would have pursued it. Now, uh, look, should we have been there or not? I don't know. But the Tet Offensive was a huge victory for the U.S., a huge defeat for the communists. Absolutely. Uh, Dan Rather, we know he's, you know, whatever his, he, we know he's long gone to the left. Uh, Walter Cronkite also happened to be a big proponent of huge gun control. Didn't think any civilian should own a handgun. So take that for what it's worth. You think that didn't affect his reporting. Uh, but even before that, Walter Durante from the New York Times, big, big, big sympathy towards a communist. In fact, uh, the New York Times had him as their Moscow uh, chief bureau uh, chief there. And he was reporting that it's basically milk and honey in the Soviet Union. Even though Stalin was killing millions of Ukrainian farmers, the Kulaks, uh, people had no food, is is sad. But Durante uh, wasn't living like that because of propaganda. <laughs> he loved it. He was living large as a propagandist for the communists, and he he bit hook, line, and sinker. Just sad and uh, just sad. All right. Uh, so regardless of their intention, they gave the media uh, the reason that they, the author, is the reason to believe the study concerned bankruptcies caused by the crush of medical bills which despite the media's readiness to believe was simply not true. The press release accompanying the study by Physicians for a National Health Program. So anytime I see Physicians for something, Physicians in this case for National Health Program tells me they advocate single payer, and it turns out they did. I knew that the minute I saw a National Health Program, I knew they were advocating single payer, which means the study already is flawed in my opinion because they're going to push a propaganda point, which they have. An organization co-founded by the lead author and one of the co-authors stated in his title, Harvard study, half of U.S. bankruptcies caused by medical bills. Similarly, the announcement by study of 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 the study by Harvard Law School, at which another of the authors uh, co-authors co-authors is a faculty member, misreported that. And early half, uh, early nearly half of all Americans who file for bankruptcy do so because of medical expenses. Ah, yes, indeed. If the authors left responsibility for the accuracy of these announcements to persons unfamiliar with the study, they made a mistake. Moreover, their own comments sometimes pointed journalists in the wrong direction. In commenting to the media, lead author, remember this name, David Heimelstein. Stated, our study is frightening. Too often, private health insurance is an umbrella that just melts in the rain. And co-author, Elizabeth Warren. Remember, the person who lied about her Cherokee heritage. And for those who disputed that she never claimed she was, yes, she absolutely did. Read the cookbook, Pow Wow Chow. It says in there, Elizabeth Warren, Cherokee. I did not say that. Her political enemies did not say that. She stated that. So don't tell me she did not front like she was a Cherokee. She was passing, as the old terminology was, as a Cherokee when she absolutely was not, is not. And she used that Native American legacy of tragedy to try to advance. And she did so successfully, her own ethnicity, her own cause, personal cause on the backs of those people. It's, it's absolutely horrific. And she should absolutely be ashamed of herself. And she just it's like Rachel Dalzell. The white lady who acted like she was black to get all the benefits of being black. African-Americans have suffered greatly in the United States. Look, we can argue all day long whether an affirmative action helps them or not. But certainly a white person should not get the benefit 
of affirmative action and a white person should not get the benefit of uh, minority preferences for Native Americans either uh, just because they claim they are that minority. Those should go to true minorities, regardless of what your thoughts are in affirmative action, which I don't like. But however, if you're white, uh, you absolutely should not be getting the benefits of those programs specified to make up for uh, bad treatment that white people perp, uh, perpetrated on these groups' population. That's just a fact. And both Elizabeth Warren and uh, Rachel Dalzell, as you may or may not remember her, but uh, she was in the news a few years back, plus others have, uh, have, have used the pain and suffering of these ethnicities to their own benefits. It's absolutely shameful. Uh, their emphasis on health care finance. Oh, this is what Elizabeth Warren says. A broken health care finance system is bankrupting middle-class America. Their emphasis on healthcare financing encouraged journalists to believe that the study focused on bankruptcies that were indeed the result of a broken healthcare system, is what they're trying to imply. Their dramatic language suggested that the study had uncovered something on the topic that should frighten or shock Americans. Should the media uh, also share the blame for these vast amounts of misinformation? Of course they should. But again, if you just if you take a cynical look as i did having grown up by hippie parents to be cynical of all authority any authority that states anything should be challenged with a a wearing eye a wavering eye to say huh is that true because if it comes from authority it's most likely the propaganda to keep those in authority in authority so you always got to be a cynic and challenge it at all times so just remember that, and yet uh, the appeal to authority now runs amongst, amongst what's the word, uh, with our uh, journalistic, our media betters, that's for sure. A uh, study about medically related bankruptcy broadly defined not medical bills. The truth is that the study is not about bankruptcies caused by medical bills. It's not about bankruptcies caused by illness. It is about bankruptcies that can, at least if you're willing to stretch things, be classified as medically related. Its central findings that are 54.5% of all bankruptcies have a, quote, medical cause, and that 46% of all bankruptcies have a, quote, major medical cause. But medical cause and major medical cause are specially defined terms. Not everyone whose bankruptcy was classified as having a medical cause or a major medical cause would agree that the illness and injury were involved. Some would even laugh at the notion. For example, the authors state... Uh, that their study classified bankruptcies in which the debtor cited uncontrolled gambling, alcohol, drug addiction, death in the family, and the birth or addition of a new family member as having a medical cause, but not necessarily a major medical cause. So it is true that there may be situations in which a researcher might legitimately want to classify those conditions as medical, but a study touted by one of its authors as showing that a broken healthcare finance system is bankrupting middle-class America, Elizabeth Warren, is not one of them. A father who has gambled away his family's mortgage payment is not likely the victim of crushing medical bills and reforming the healthcare finance system will do nothing to solve that problem. Similarly, new parents who find they can no longer afford their previous lifestyle now that one of them has to stay home with the baby will usually find the uh, uh, pediatrician's bill the least of their problems. Babies are a financial hardship regardless of uh, even if the hospitals give them away for free. Even the media had correctly report if the media had correctly reported that the study was not about bankruptcies caused by the crush of medical debt but about bankruptcies with a medical cause, it still would have been inappropriate to include these bankruptcies in the count. Again, the bankruptcies caused by drug and alcohol gambling and the addition of a newborn. So give an example. 
my wife and I both work full time, both making, I wouldn't say, you know, we're decent money. We combined that we had no kids working full time back then. Uh, wife gets pregnant. We have a baby. She quits her job. She's making more than I was. We could not live on the same lifestyle we had before. We had one less income, which is actually less. She was making more than what I was. So we had 40% of the income with 50% more mouths to feed. All right. So if we were living on that same lifestyle uh, and we couldn't afford it, we declared bankruptcy. We could not say that's a major medical cause that caused it. It was absolutely not the case. But that's what Elizabeth Warren and Heimelstein do in their study, quote unquote, to prove that bankruptcies uh, cost 50 or healthcare cost 50% of bankruptcies. A uh, few of those concerns about bankruptcy policy understand the term bankruptcy with a medical cause to include bankruptcies caused by gambling. Uh, moreover, let's see, many people, perhaps most, believe that debtors beset by traditionally defined serious illness or injury ought to be granted leniency uh, in terms of bankruptcy protection. The higher proportion of bankruptcies attributable to such misfortune, the more lenience the public may agree to in the formulation of bankruptcy policy. But there is far less agreement that debtors beset by gambling, alcoholism, or drug addiction should be protected by the easy availability of the bankruptcy option. Indeed, some would probably take the position that holding such persons accountable for their debt would be thera therapeutic. Classifying gambling, alcoholism, and drug addiction within those involving traditionally defined injury or illness only serves to confuse and mislead the reader. Yep. Um, and I want to, they don't talk about it. Uh, let's see here. They, uh, I want to go back for just a second about the authors of this, because I think it's pretty interesting, actually. Uh, bear with me just a second. Yeah, in terms of the authors, yeah, here we go. Um, all right, so here's the authors. Um, uh, a, uh, so we have, we know Elizabeth Warren, she's a fraud. We know that, all right? Now, look, if you're a liberal Democrat and you want to unsubscribe, by all means do so. I'm not here to challenge liberal Democrats. I was born, a man, I was born and raised a man of the left. Um, I just hate frauds. That's all there is to it. I hate hypocrisy. I hate frauds. That's, that's for sure. Uh, but the other guy... Um, Himmelstein. Let's read about what he has read. Lead author, Dr. Uh, David Himmelstein, and co-author of this study, Dr. Stephanie Woolhandler, are co-founders of Physicians for National Health Program, which again is the, the group I just uh, referred to at the beginning, an organization that advocates a single-payer system as the only solution to solving the United States' many health care problems. So if that's their organization advocating for single-payer health care. Do you think it's come up with a study that advocated that single-payer, that the health insurance or health bills were not a big problem? No, of course not. Uh, Dr. Himmelstein and Woolhandler have been longtime supporters of the consequences, uh, longtime supporters of the single-payer system. See uh, David Himmelstein uh, writing, uh, Bleeding the Patient, the Consequence of Corporate Health Care, but it gets worse. Uh, here they had written a national health program. Listen to this. Northern Light at the End of the Tunnel. That's uh, one of their things. Northern Light at the End of the Tunnel. One of their articles in the Journal of uh, JMA Medical Association. I forgot what the JMAA Journal. I forgot what it stands for, but it's the medical journal. Uh, then Himmelstein and Woolhandler. Listen to this. The court, this is an article they had written. The Corporate Compromise. A... Marxist view of health maintenance organizations and prospective payment. They are self-identifying, my friends, as Marxists. 
So we're going to use a group that is identifying themselves as Marxist, the most evil theology we saw in the 20th century that still is here today in terms of a number of innocent people died and dead and brutalized because of Marxist theology. A Marxist is writing policy uh, that the media has glommed on to, glommed on to, to say that there's a, if you're going bankrupt, the 50% of the time is because of medical bills. And that same Marxist who's advocating a single payer health and system, health insurance system, i.e. government funded and government provided, that a, a socialist health system. That's what a single payer is. And on top of that, his compatriot, Elizabeth Warren, who back then we didn't know was such a fraud. We kind of did, but now we know is absolutely a fraud. And that was what was who perpetuating this silliness of uh, bankruptcies cost 50 or health costs 50 percent of the bankruptcy so let's keep going here uh i want to talk about how okay uh let's, oh, let's see so we already talked about they use gambling uh as part of that alcoholism and adding addition of a baby in a drug addiction uh part three only 28.3 percent of debtors cited illness or injury as among the reasons for the bankruptcy well, the study takes the position that 54.5% of all bankruptcies have a medical cause and 46 of all bankruptcies have a major medical cause. It is important to note that only 28.3% of all debtors questioned for the study uh, cited illness or injury as a reason for their own bankruptcy. And even that figure is bloated. The authors gave debtors an extensive list of possible reasons for their bankruptcies and encouraged them to check all of those that applied. There are six not things they could check, my friend. 16, credit card debt out of control, car accident, trouble in managing money, addition of a family member, victory of a, car, of a fraud, divorce or family breakup, job problems, and then injury or illness is one of them. Uh, the 28.3% figure was obtained from the results of, these que of that question. So just pick one of the 16 or all of them if you want. Any bankruptcy of a debtor who cited illness or injury of self or family member was counted as having a major medical cause, regardless of how many other reasons were also cited. The study, imagine this, fails to make that clear. Although it states that some debtors cited more than one medical contributor, it fails to make clear that some debtors no doubt checked both major and not or medical and non-medical reasons for the bankruptcy. Some may even have checked all 16. Such bankruptcies were never were nevertheless recorded as having a major medical cause. Ah, a more cautious approach to study medically related bankruptcies might have been to proceed from the 28.3% figure to determine which of these cases involved bankruptcies in which illness or injury was a primary cause or even just a major cause rather than simply a cause. This is where the telephone interviews could have been useful. A compulsive gambler or shopper who optimistically hoped that he could pay off his debts by working evenings as a waiter might in good faith answer that Ill illness or injury was a reason for his bankruptcy. A reason again, not the reason, a reason. If he sprains his ankle, must therefore give up his evening job for two weeks, but not his full-time day job. But he is unlikely to regard that illness or injury as a primary reason for his predicament. Instead of paring the 28.3% down to those cases in which illness or injury was a primary case, a cause, or major contributor to the bankruptcy, the authors chose to move in the opposite direction in order to get the 46.2% of all bankruptcies being caused by a major medical cause. They assumed that all cases, all 
in which the debtor cited illness or injury were not only legitimate, but worthy of characterization of having major medical causes. And, and they added the following doubtful categories. Ah, this is just, this gets crazy. All cases in which the debtor had more than a thousand unreimbursed medical expenses over the course of the two years prior to the bankruptcy, even if the debtor himself did not cite illness or injury as among the reasons for his bankruptcy. So if they had a thousand dollars in unreimbursed medical expenses at any time within two years of filing for bankruptcy, even if they didn't cite that as a cause for the bankruptcy, that was still listed as a major cause. Major medical cause for bankruptcy. Nobody likes to have to pay a thousand unreimbursed medical expenses, um, expect, even if it's spread over two years. But for most Americans, it is not catastrophic. As for many individuals and families, it's routine. Um, it may not even require illness. And I tell you, having six in our family, just braces comes to mind. Braces, uh, many broken bones, eyeglasses. We got eyeglasses. We got braces. We got broken bones. You name it. We have all kinds of unreimbursed medical cause. The cost. So the idea that that is considered the prime, we never bankrupt, but if we were, the idea that Elizabeth Warren, Warren and the Marxist physicist would say that is the cause of our bankruptcy is absolutely absurd. It's silliness. It's, it's, it's fraudulent. It's fraudulent. To designate all such cases, regardless of the circumstances of bankruptcy as a major medical cause is misleading. Many of the same debtors no doubt spent more than a thousand in telephone bills over a two year period. And remember, this is 2006. Look at my cell phone here. We spend what, 200 bucks a month for a cell phone. Uh, so they're just talking a thousand over the course of a year. I'm talking $200 a month. Yet, presumably, the authors would not claim that the high price of telephone service is a bankrupting middle class or that a broken telephone finance system is a significant part of the problem. Oh, but wait, remember Fidelity's study on health and cost in retirement. Oh, my goodness, if you don't have $286,000 and you're going to pay $286,000 to health care costs in retirement, we're all going doomed. That's what Fidelity screams every single year. You're all going to go bankrupt because of health care costs in retirement. But no one ever says how much it costs for your cell phone or the cost to put gas in your car uh, and how much they uh, aggregate that in terms of your cost of retirement, never mind property taxes. It bears emphasis by adding this category that authors are also adding only bankruptcies in which debtors did not cite illness or injury as even one reason among their many. Uh, so they're, they're, so Warren and the Marxist professors, physicists are double dipping. You did not cite illness uh, for a cause of your bankruptcy, but because you had $1,000 of unreimbursed medical cause within the two years, we're going to cite it for you. And it's just, again, fraudulent. Um, let's keep going. Uh, okay, here's number two. <laughs> all, all cases in which the debtor or the debtor's spouse lost at least two weeks of work-related income due to at least in part an illness or injury, even the debtor himself did not cite illness or injury is among the reasons for his bankruptcy. <sighs> the $1,000 standard in the previous category was set unrealistically low, especially given its application to all income levels and all family sizes, i.e. my family has $1,000 a day of reimbursed medical costs. That is, that is true of this category. Although not necessarily catastrophic, the loss of two weeks of income due to illness or injury is less likely to be routine for an appreciable segment of the population. In the questionnaire used to generate the data for the study, however, debtors were not asked if they had lost at least two weeks of injury, uh, two weeks of income on account of an injury. Instead, they were asked if they had lost at least two weeks of work-related income since January of 1999. 
They were then asked to check all applicable answers. Yes, through firing or being laid off. Yes, through illness or injury. Yes, for other reasons. No, and no, because they weren't employed since January 1999. A debtor who had been briefly ill and then laid off might check both one and two, which is yes, being laid off, and yes, through illness or injury. Uh, if the illness or injury uh, and layoff periods combined add up to two weeks or more, even if the period of illness was only a day. Similarly, similarly a debtor who became very ill uh, became very briefly ill during a long layoff might check both reasons when, in fact, he would have been without income if, even if he had been healthy because he'd been laid off. Again, the question is whether this category should have included been included given that any debtor who cited illness or injury or self uh, I'm sorry. Uh, again, that the, any debtor who cited illness or injury of self or a family member had already been included in the account. Only those who specifically declined to cite illness or injury as a significant cause are brought into the inclusion of this category in the author's definition of a major medical cause. Number three, all cases, again, all, which the debtor mortgaged a home to pay medical bills, even though the debtor himself did not cite illness or injury, is used for reasons for his bankruptcy in the major medical cause. The study itself did not specify with precision what is meant by this category, but the debtor must specify that the medical bills were the sole reason for the mortgage. No! He doesn't have to. He just said, I took a home equity line of credit, for instance, or a refinance on my home, for instance, and I paid off some debt. A portion could be a bill I owed to the hospital. If I then proceeded to file bankruptcy, guess what was the cause of my bankruptcy? According to the Marxist physician and Liz Warren was my medical bills. <sighs> Again, the question is this is is what this category adds to the study. Are there really bankruptcy cases for which debtors did not identify illness or injury as among many reasons for the bankruptcy? The debtors stated that neither they nor anyone they are financially responsible for had more than 1,000 uncovered medical bills during the two-year period leading up to the bankruptcy. The debtors stated that neither they nor their spouses had lost two weeks of work-related income due to the uh, illness or injury since 1999, but for which they mortgaged a house to pay medical bills. So what kind of cases are these? Is it fair to categorize them as bankruptcies for a major medical cause? What is the evidence that major medical issues had anything to do with the situation? In the end, the only clear conclusion that can be drawn from the Warren, Liz Warren and the Marxist physician uh, study, and again, I'm using study in quotations because this is silly, is that the authors were very interested in making the categories of medical cause and major medical cause seem as large as possible, and they were successful in doing so. Careless readers are left with the impression that the study shows a broken healthcare system and thankfully, we have the media to help along. And, uh, the, and Gail talks about all the media citations of story after story after story. Uh, we got the uh, Raleigh uh, News Observer. We got that talks about uh, the bankruptcy bill is a gift to the rich. Or to the rich uh, says the Passaic uh, County Herald News, and uh, gives away cuts away a safety net for uh, ordinary folks. Uh, uh, and they always say Harvard University recent finding uh, here of the Honolulu advertiser uh, Senate bankruptcy, uh, the bankruptcy law editorial, the flawed bankruptcy bill legislation with harm people forced into insolvency by life's vagaries it's called the Buffalo News. Paul Krugman, of course, all Krugman, the debt peon society Krugman, Krugman writes it just go the other way. 
Bankruptcy bill has big problems, says the Charleston Gazette and Daily Mail. The bankrupt Congress on the job for the rich, says the Milwaukee Sentinel. And they all, all, all of them cite a recent Harvard University study. Not one time they mentioned Marxist uh, physicist, physician who's an advocate for single payer. Not one time. Uh, here's a bankruptcy tactic. Giving away some military personnel, more bankruptcy protection rings hollow when lawmakers penalize others for illness. Uh, just it goes the... Here's the editor of the, the, the Protect Corporations from Consumers Act, says the Austin Statesman. It just goes on and on and on, citing the Harvard study. Again, the appeal to authority is from Harvard. These people are beyond reproach. They're not biased. They just want what's the best for everybody. Who are we as a journalist to challenge it? Uh, the authors can see that the earlier studies came to very different conclusion. In discussing trends in medical bankruptcy, the authors concede that in 1981, the best evidence available suggests that about 25,000 families filed for bankruptcy in the aftermath of a serious medical problem, and this constituted 8% of the 312,000 bankruptcies filings for that year. So that's quite a distance from the 46.2% of bankruptcy filings that the author categorized as having a major medical cause. Uh, they also cite another study, the fragile middle class Americans in debt, which uses 1991 data. And it actually finds that 19.3 percent of bankruptcy filings occur on account of major med uh, medical problems. Also quite a distance from the 46.2 percent uh, that Warren and the Marxist position offer. Uh, but then again, I'd even challenge that other 1991 study because, again, it's written uh, with a mind of a single payer approach for sure. Uh, that, perhaps they intended to cite as we forgive our uh, debtors, another book by the Marxist physician in Elizabeth Warren, which using data collected in 1981 found that only at most, at most, only 1% to 2% of the debtors in bankruptcy are demonstrably there because of catastrophic medical losses. But that just a little over 8% in one of the federal judicial district samples where debtors were required to fill out a form disclosing the reasons for the bankruptcy reported health problems to be the principal reason for the bankruptcy. Uh, let's see here. But it's almost, uh, and they talk about a couple different things on why they came up with different methodology. It's just a different methodology, i.e. we're using numbers that are fake and fraudulent to push a political point. Uh, but almost as soon as the authors of the present study acknowledge the difference between the studies, they then turn around and ignore them by making the extraordinary statement that the findings suggest that the number of medical bankruptcies have increased 23-fold by 2001. Oh, by 2001. Oh, yes, when George W. Bush was elected. Imagine that. This claim is just plain silly. When one's data suggests a 2,200% increase in number of bankruptcies caused by medical problems in the course of five years, it is time to look at the data with a little more care. In this case, it would demonstrate the authors were correct the first time when they conceded that there are methodological differences that would account for the differing results. Yeah, and I'm not going to... Uh, talk about that. I'm just going to go to the, uh, Gail's conclusion. There's nothing um, interesting. One of the authors of the fragile middle class is also, which again reported that the middle class is coming undone because of bankruptcies, healthcare costs. Uh, as also one of the co-authors of this study here, the fraudulent Harvard study. There's nothing wrong with conducting a study to measure what proportion of bankruptcies can somehow be broadly classified as medical related broadly defined. Such a study would have far fewer policy implications than study of how many bankruptcies are primarily the result of medical bills or of illness or injury. But there's no reason why it should not be studied, provided that the authors make clear what the study is all about, as this was not done in this case. 
On April 2005, Bush signed a Bankruptcy Abuse Prevention and Consumer Protection Act into law. Despite the arguments generated from this study, again, I use study with Scaracuas because it's silly. Here's hoping he did the right thing. No doubt it would have been helpful to have up-to-date, accurate, empirical information about how often crushing medical bills are their primary cause of bankruptcy and even how often illness or injury is a major cause of bankruptcy. While illness and injury as contributors to bankruptcy was touted as a study addressing those issues, it did not. Man, I could not agree more. So I, I tell you, folks, the more there's just so many studies. Now we got the guy from Cornell uh, with his silly studies on if you have a bigger plate, it'll make your uh, portions look smaller, which tells your brain you can eat more. This guy's a fraud. They, I just literally read where was that? You know, let me just go back uh, for to uh, just today. Harvard, actually, of all places, had to retract. Here, bear me just a second. I'll tell you exactly what it is. A bunch of articles. Uh, let's see here. Harvard had to retract. Uh, science was settled, settled, but not anymore. Harvard calls for retraction of dozens of studies by noted cardiologists. So we got study after study from Harvard by Cornell, the Ivy League. Uh, we had the Michael Mann stuff, and that's a fraud. We know that for a fact, too. That's the global warming, the, the hockey stick fallacy. And uh, yeah, just study after study after study. Never mind the high carbs, the Ansel Key stuff. Never mind. Just there's so much bad crap out there. And you, at the end of the day, if it comes from the media, you know they're playing political games. They're using propaganda from the headlines to pu push a political operation always to the left, never towards the likelihood of freedom. So always remember that, my friends. If there's anything I can tell you, look at everything with a questioning eye and you'll be better served. In fact, I would doubt everything. Uh, you just, what else are you going to do? I mean, this study right here is a complete fraud without question. And yet, look, it bumped Elizabeth Warren to presidential aspirations. It's a, uh, it's scary what a fraud can do. And what did Twain say or Abraham Lincoln? I think it's Mark Twain. Uh, a fraud can get halfway around the world. A fraud can get halfway around the world before the truth can strap its boots on. All right, my friends, if you like the Josh Scanlon podcast, don't forget to subscribe. You know, always give me five-star ratings. If you can, go to the YouTube channel at youtube.com slash heritagewealthplanning. And you can always find my blog at heritagewealthplanning.com. We'll see you next time. Thanks now.